Hi, my name is Gavin Anderson. I'm here pulling weeds, but Pastor David is late, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined this week by Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. <laughs> Hola. Associate Pastor, Bill Calvin. Yes. <laughs> and Worship Director, Scott Reed. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Bill, Mr. WS himself, will you uh, open in prayer? All right. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that it's sunny outside it's lifting our spirits hallelujah and i pray for our time here with the podcast that it's really meaningful that the people who listen say oh i'm glad i listened into this it was worth my while thank you jesus amen amen amen, amen. <laughs> all right scott do it all right we got an interesting one today uh, would you rather have the ability to erase memories from your mind or the ability to erase memories from someone else's mind. Do I have to pick one person? It's like, I pick Dan. <laughs> For the rest of time, I can eliminate Dan's memories. Because <laughs> I'd take Dan. <laughs> erase my memories. What did I do to you? <laughs> Not all of them, just some of them. Just the ones I don't want you to remember. Um, that's like a really philosophical question. Kind of. I think I'd rather erase other people's memories. I, I don't know. I don't know. How deep do we want to get into this? Because, like, God uses everything that happens in our lives. Like, maybe we shouldn't erase forcibly forget things. Yeah. I would erase someone else's memories, but only as it <laughs> pertains to things that I've done, like, dumb. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'll erase their memory of that. <laughs> it wouldn't help you on the podcast, though, because it's recorded. True. True. But I could I erase people's kept... memories of them having listened to me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's full-time job, erasing people's memories who <laughs> hear him speak. That would be an interesting... You could set up quite the business where mm-hmm. you're like... You'd, you'd be want a really good like, like, PTSD What is that movie? Uh, Eternal Sunshine on a Spotless Mind? They do that. I don't know if I've seen that Jim Carrey in a very remember. serious uh, role goes and he, he and this lady, I think they're in love or something. They have their minds erased. They, they try and erase each other. It's a whole thing. I would go with erasing my own memories simply because I feel like it might open up more space for important things if I can like just forget some unimportant things. I don't know if the science holds up on that, but I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how memory works. <laughs> I think I would choose erasing other people's memories for the same reason that Dan said. But I, the thought occurred to me, virtually all of our experience is memory. Mm-hmm. It's just memory, you know, immediately. You could deal with some really unpleasant things if you could just immediately erase your memory of it happening. Um, like a lot of like discomfort, like sure. physical discomfort working out. You know, you, you just, you're just dealing with the constant very amnesia. slight momentary discomfort. And then, and then you've forgotten it already. It, hmm. it just... There's some interesting possibilities there. I think I would choose other people, but yeah. that interests me. There's also the side of like if I like I know I need to do something, but like I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll just do like 10% of it. And I do 10% and then I like make myself forget. So I just keep doing <laughs> 10% keep doing of 10%. it. As long as you don't forget that you did it and you're like, oh, what did I have to do again? <laughs> That's true. You gotta be careful. True. It's a skill. Wow, that just sounds like Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> but used for good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would take erasing my own, but I went to the area of sin. I thought, I would like to mm. forget mm. these sinful things. Sure. And, mm. Yeah. 
Amen. Just get on with life. It's a good answer. Yeah. Well, let's get into topic of the week. (laughs) Topic of the week this week is brought to us by Virtual Day Camp once again. Is anyone in your house losing patience with each other or losing patience with COVID-19? Send them to day camp June 22nd through 26th. Herbie the Snail will teach us all to have patience in his unique way. There will be daily singing, stories, skits, and a Zoom meetup. Also, a specially designed box with crafts and surprises. Make sure you invite all your friends. And yes, there will be lots of prizes. Virtual Day Camp, June 22nd through 26th at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash daycamp to learn more. Uh, Herbert the Snail, of course, comes from the 1991 animated film The Music Machine. Is anyone familiar with that? Oh, yeah. No. I think I have it memorized. It's terrific. <laughs> I grew up watching it. I really love the idea. because I think that David and Marina said this in the announcements for day camp at the end of the service, and then you just said it again now. This idea of like losing patience with COVID-19. Because I love the idea of people who are like, like no, no. Give it a chance. Let him finish. <laughs> <laughs> you, never, you never know. You know, he can surprise us all. <laughs> it's like, covid <laughs> We're done with you. This is getting out of hand. (laughs) At first, it was cute. Let him talk. (laughs) I think it's cute how some of the kids in the different videos have been like, I'm mad at the virus. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) In some way, we all are. You're not alone. Yeah, big thanks to Marina for writing that. I just copied it word for word from her announcement at the end of the service. Nice. Um, All right, well, this week we're kicking off a new series titled Weird Aspects of the Christian Life. Uh, where we talk about the areas of faith that can seem strange or scary or superstitious. Um, so let's start with a topic that is close to, to all of our hearts, um, which is the topic of healing. Mm. Um, James five fourteen says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Let me start out by asking... What happens when we, when we pray for healing for, for ourselves or for other people, when we lay hands on people or anoint them? Like, what are we doing? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we're doing. I think we're asking God to intervene mm-hmm. in their circumstance, to, to look down on this person and to, to, to intervene by, by making them well. First of all, that's, the, that's one thing that we're doing. We're realizing, we're, hey, we're dependent on God and that this is beyond our control. We need, we're returning to you, God, for this because, because it's something that we can't solve ourselves. Mm. Those are two things just immediately off the bat that, that strike me as what we're doing. My answer is very simple. We're praying for that person to be healed. Mm. And this is supposed to be very elementary. I'm struck by Hebrews 6. It says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. And then it begins to list some things. And one of them is the laying on of hands. That This was considered a real basic teaching mm-hmm. in the New Testament church. Mm. And so at our church, and I think it's not just Bloomingdale Church, but Church of the Big C, you talk about laying on hands and people just look at you blankly like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. In the eyes of God's word, this is supposed to be one of the very first things you learn. Mm. We live in a world where, you know, medicine is, is kind of at the center of our culture. Um, you know, when you're born, you're born in a hospital. When you die, mm-hmm. you often die in a hospital. Um, and throughout life, you know, when you have a problem, like the first thing that some parents think of is like, okay, we're going to the ER. 
what is the relationship between medicine and, and prayer for healing? You know, when we when we pray for healing, healing, like, are we asking God to come down and and you know do things without medicine? Are we asking him to do things through medicine? I, I've never really known how to categorize this idea of you know laying hands on a sick person and and, and praying for them to be healed. Well, it's interesting that you brought up medicine because thinking about what Bill just said, um, you know, how this was sort of an elementary teaching in the church and how we now kind of think of it so differently. I think probably medicine has played a role in that because 2,000 years ago, you didn't have a lot of recourse when it came to, to physical maladies. Um, you know, there were physicians. I mean, we know that Luke was a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially like probably the Greeks and maybe the Egyptians and the Chinese or whatever probably had pretty advanced medicine for their time. But still, like, you know, there were things that they didn't know how to deal with, just as there are things today that we don't know how to deal with, but there were a mm-hmm. lot more. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, well, you got this issue, we're going to just, we're going to pray for you because that's all that we can do. Uh, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with medicine, you know, using medicine. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. I think that God has gifted the world with, with medicinal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I think that the the not the advent, but the you know the increase in in uh, medical knowledge has potentially brought about just a resultant like lack of understanding of of biblical healing because it's not as like fundamentally necessary as often. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Scott. Talking about there's still things that medicine can't do. Mm-hmm. I think that's where and healing comes into play. I know I can speak to my own experience when I pray for someone. We've got a, a man in our church right now that's going through cancer mm-hmm. and he's going through chemotherapy and so when i pray for him i pray yes i pray that the lord would come and heal his body completely fully eradicate the cancer but i also know that this, this chemo treatment is effective mm-hmm. so i pray for that also to that god to use that in as part of his healing process my wife is in uh it's not rare i mean there are plenty of situations um i mean <laughs> the world is in a situation right now where medical knowledge isn't quite up to snuff. Um, but she's in a, a situation where she's got this eye condition. I might have mentioned it on the podcast in the past. I can't remember. But it's called keratoconus, and she developed it somewhere in her late teens, early 20s. And it's basically this progressive eye condition where there's a weakness in her eye, and it causes them to kind of not collapse. That's a very dramatic word, but slowly like kind of collapse on, on themselves and and, and grow into more of like a, an oblong sort of cone shape because of it. And there's no, right now there's no way to fix it. Um, and she did have a surgery that stopped the progression, but that's like the best that we can do right now. Um, there are, there's some stuff like on the horizon that, you know, that could work, but right now there's nothing. And so when she found out that she had it, one of the things she did was she went to the elders of our church back in Boston and they anointed her with oil and they prayed for her. Because mm-hmm. in that yeah. case, that was the only recourse. Does God still heal people? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah, we see it right at our church. Mm-hmm. I was telling somebody about our prayer teams at church and that we anoint people for healing, and he asked, well, do you see people getting healed? I said, you know, we do, but it's not dramatic like Jesus, mm-hmm. where he would say the word and the person went from blindness to sight just in an instant. What we're seeing more of is, we pray, and then we keep praying, and maybe three months later we get the word that they're better. Mm. But we do see the healing. Yeah, my um, 
my wife's grandfather, he he actually he did pass away like a year and a half ago. Um, but back probably I don't have the time timeline exactly straight, but something like ten years ago or fifteen years ago, he was really sick and the doctors were like, Yeah, he's he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing that we can do for him. I think it might have been kidney or liver related, I, I don't remember. And my mother in law and her sister uh, and obviously the whole family were really praying about it. And, and those two women just had a real sense that like, no, like he, dad's not going to die yet. Mm. Um, and God healed him and he lived again, 10 or 15 more years after that, when the doctors were sure that he was going to die, you know, within days or weeks or months, something like that. Sure. So what do we say to people who we do pray for, who don't get better, right? People who, who aren't healed. Like, you know, we know that God hears our prayers. So what does it mean when he doesn't answer them in the way that we want them, want him to? Well, I can speak to that because I live with one of those people, my mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not going to belabor it because I know she shared a couple of times recently that she struggles with infertility and just some kind of basic issues there that are not life-threatening, but it could cause some quality of life issues. And we've been praying. We've had people pray for her. She's had been anointed with oil multiple times but still hasn't been healed. And so my my answer to that question is, I believe God always heals. But I don't think it's always in the way that we think. Mm -hmm. It's not, we kind of think linearly, kind of one-dimensionally, like God's going to heal physically. It's going to happen, kind of like those things. We we don't see it always the way that Jesus did. Like, bam, you're healed. That can still happen. Sometimes God will do that. Sometimes it'll be more of like a, a spiritual healing of reconciling through the difficult physical, you know, whether it's discomfort or the suffering even that someone goes through, God can use to cause reconciliation in a family, healing, like a spiritual healing, coming to know Christ, and ultimately the healing that occurs in heaven when a believer dies and is in the presence of the Lord restored. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, God always heals, but it doesn't always look the way we expect or want. Yes. It's timing. We want it now, yeah. especially if we're in pain. But even if we have to wait till we see Jesus at the gates of heaven, in light of eternity, what's another 35 years of waiting? It's, mm. it's really a blink of an eye in the mm. eyes of God. That is so cool. That and, it's and, a sure thing. I mean, nobody up in heaven is limping around or saying, <laughs> oh, man, this cancer is just killing me. Mm-hmm, that, right. That's not going on. I know healing is a really... Um, it's a whole week in Alpha, right? There's a whole mm-hmm. week on on near the end mm-hmm. of of God's healing and um, you know healings that happen in the Bible and healings that happen in the world in 2020. What has been your experience when it comes to people who are unfamiliar with, or even people who are lifelong churchgoers, when it comes to that week and when it comes to to people asking for healing and praying for people? They're all over it. They love it. Even the people who aren't believers, they will <laughs> lay hands on the sick and pray for healing. It, it's really something. I think it's because it's so positive. Hey, mm. who wants the person next to them to be suffering? Let's do this. Let's, let's see what God will do. Mm. I think maybe the better educated we get in Christianity, the more time we spend on, well, he might not do it this time because, and we're making up all these excuses for God, like he yeah. needs excuses. But when you're really new and raw, this just makes perfect sense. Hey, if he's God, this is not a problem. Mm. I was thinking about this recently because 
Ravi Zacharias, the famous Christian apologist, evangelist, yeah. just died, I think it was yesterday, Yeah, at yeah, the age yeah. of 74. And just a great man, author, just really a defender of the faith, to think, okay, this guy did amazing work. What would have been the problem if he had lived like 10 years longer? Right. Like, it would have been great for everyone. Like, people would have gotten saved. It would have been awesome. Why did why did God heal him like before he died? What, like, I think he died of bone cancer. And so I got to thinking, and what really popped in my mind was Isaiah 55, that my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, says the mm. Lord. You know, so as far as heaven is above the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. Mm. Like, like then Bill touched on that, like God's this idea of God's timing, He knows what He's doing better than we do. In our minds, we think, wow, ten more years of Ravi Zacharias, man, that would have been a blessing. God says, no, I wanted to bring him home now, mm. and God can do that. So how do we take comfort in that when it's our spouse or when it's our brother or our sister or our friend who God is saying like, yeah, I know you want 10 or 30 or 50 more years with this person, but... I think that's a struggle. It's hard. I, I don't claim to have all the answers on it. I know that my wife had to go in for some medical tests and the doctor was saying, well, you have a family history of cancer, so we need to check you out and do all these tests. And for me, that, that really scared me. Like to my core, or I had never had experienced that like with a spouse before. Of mm -hmm. uh, you know, only have like one family member that's died, and that was like twenty years ago, and that was my grandpa. But like coming to terms with that and thinking through, like I don't want to do life without my wife. That was just mm -hmm. it was just a, a kind of a week long process of really grappling with those things. And God finally just gave me a lot of peace about it. I didn't have any mm -hmm. answers, but I mean, it's I th I don't think you can diminish that it's hard mm -hmm. for the person going through that. And that's, that's a challenge. It is easy to over-spiritualize it and be like, well, you're going to be okay. God's with you. But it stinks. Yeah. And I think something to keep in mind is that even when we experience healing, death is still inevitable unless Jesus comes back first. Hmm. You know, the healing that we experience in this world is like the sanctification that we experience in this world. It's, it's a victory that we get to take part in now but the ultimate victory is not yet. You know, we're never going to be free of sin uh, in this world, uh, even as we experience victories. We're never going to be free of death in this world, even as we experience victories, until Christ comes again and, and eradicates them entirely. Mm. Um, and so, I don't, I don't know if that's comforting. You know, in in the moments when when you are dealing with loss or the the prospect of loss, but you know, this world is not our home. Healing or no healing, we're all going eventually. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and as, ten out of ten people die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when Dan was just talking about Ravi Zacharias, and you know, like ten more years of Ravi Zacharias would have been great. It's like I'm sure he doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Not at all. He's probably like, woohoo! I don't, I don't have pain We're in the presence of the Lord. That's true. Man, as I get older, I notice living longer and longer. It's not all that great. Hmm. <laughs> you, you look at Robbie Zacharias, he's 74. All right, that's actually a pretty good time to die because let's say he lived 10 more years. Like, well, he could have still been pretty decent shape till 84. How about 94? Eh. See, now he's starting to forget things. Mm -hmm. And Robbie Zacharias is so awesome at <laughs> quoting from the top of his head long mm. passages from the scriptures and from philosophers and he probably wouldn't be able to do that as he got older. And then it, then it would bother him. He'd be like, oh, I used to know this stuff cold. What's wrong with mm, me? Yeah. That's a lot to 
live with. It's mm-hmm. hard for his wife to watch him deteriorate. I'm thinking of something that happened in our family. When I was a little boy, I got the measles, and so did my sister. I was fine after getting the measles. She started to regress very quickly into mental retardation. She contracted a disease called Heller's disease. And my mom and dad, of course, wondered, what is, what is happening? You know, she's, she can't talk anymore. She can't keep herself from going to the bathroom in her pants anymore. She, she's just not feeding herself with a fork and a spoon anymore. You know, what, what, what is happening mm-hmm. to our little girl? So they went to a lot of doctors. And one of the things that happened was my dad decided he was going to fast and pray three days a week for seven weeks in a row. And he's having a real forthright conversation with God, asking him why this is happening. And the Lord spoke to him clearly and said, you dedicated your daughter to me, didn't you? He said, yes. And if I would have called her to be a missionary, you would have been fine with that, wouldn't you? He said, yes. But I've called her to this instead. Why can't you accept it? It goes back to what Dan recited. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than yours. But can we really accept the fact that it's God speaking when he says, I know the plans I have for you. I, I know the plans. You don't know. Them. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you. And then he goes on to say, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And, and so we look at something like my sister's situation and we say, oh, that's not harming her. And, and yeah. God isn't flinching. He's saying, mm-hmm. no, I still have control of this. Mm-hmm. I have control of Sherry and you just going to have to take this by faith. How does that interact with, you know, our understanding that that disease is a product of the fall, you know, that God is still in control of something that was never part of the design for the world. How do we grapple with that idea that God is still in control of this thing that, that is a product of, of sin? Part of it is, we have a tendency, I know I do, it's, it's all about me. Mm. So how is this mm. affecting me? And I look at my sister's situation, I think the persons that really affected so deeply were my mom and dad, because now they had to center their whole lives 24 hours a day, every day of the year around Sherry to make sure she didn't harm herself. Because I remember one time we just moved into a new house and there had been a bonfire to burn a bunch of trash. And Sherry wandered off and she sat down in these hot coals and got burned. You think, wow, you know, th- this is a hard task to watch a child like this. Yeah. Now, all these years later, I look at my mom and dad and I think, these people are awesome. They have been tested by fire themselves. They are just like this unbelievably strong steel and yet super duper compassionate with everybody around them because of what this did on the inside of them. 
So that's something beautiful that comes out of something really difficult. And God is sitting on his throne in heaven saying, that's the only way I know how to do this. And I'm God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like what we talked about last week, God redeeming mental illness. Mm -hmm. God can redeem physical illness too. Mm. And he can use even you, our listeners, as well. Yeah. To, I would encourage you, I know it's hard to watch people go through physical battles, but don't be afraid to reach out and pray for someone for healing. Because it's easy to think, well, what if God doesn't heal them? But the results aren't up to you. Hmm. The results are in God's hands, but you can be faithful and pray. I know there's a story my dad tells of he sensed that all of a sudden he needed to, he was sitting at our house. God told him, drive a mile down the road, go to your neighbor's house who also went to our church, pray for his son to be healed out of the blue. So dad gets in the car, goes and does it, and the, the kid gets healed of some kind of brain injury. Hmm. Hallelujah. And so like if he had just said, well... I don't know where's this thought coming from. I'm not right. gonna. I'm just gonna go back to doing whatever I was doing. I'm not gonna. What is this? This is crazy. Because hmm. he kind of leaned in and listened and obeyed. And it wasn't him that did the healing. God. He was just the person that God used. Yeah. But I think, and it's that can be a little scary. Like, well, I hear this. I, well, who else is gonna put that thought in your mind but God to go <laughs> pray for someone to be healed? Right. It can be a little scary, but the results are in His hands, whether it happens the way you're expecting or not. And I encourage you if you sense that from the Lord. Hmm. Test the spirit, make sure it's from God, and, and if it is, obey. Do it. When we were in college, my sophomore year, I think you'll remember this story, Scott. I believe it was uh, a friend of ours on the Glee Club cabinet mentioned a, an older lady, like, I don't know, 70s or 80s, who had cancer, and it had progressed to, like, her entire body. Um, she was going to die, like in a couple days and her family lived in a different country. I want to say Ecuador, but I don't know for sure. And they were trying to get here to see her, to say goodbye. Mm. And it was going to take like another week or, or two weeks or like maybe a month for them to get in. And so somebody brought that up at the cabinet meeting and said like, Hey, can we pray for this person? <clears throat> Cause she's like, she's been in the ER, like just, Wait, like waiting to pass away basically for the last couple of days and, and she's not going to live, but we'd love for her to see her family to say goodbye. And so we prayed and we went around and I said something like, you know, you know, your will be done. Um, and this guy, Andrew, prayed and he said, God, like I ask that you would heal her, that you would remove all the cancer from her body and that you would not let her pass away and that you would you know, sustain her and that you would bring her back to full health because we know you can do that. And my thought at the time was like, why would you pray that? Like you're setting God up for failure. <laughs> um, and then like the next week he was talking, I was like, oh yeah, she's still alive. They still can't get in. And, and she lived for another two years wow. before she finally passed away. If, I think it was after we graduated. I think it was when we saw him at the Super Bowl party, at Johnny's Super Bowl party, I asked him about that woman. He was like, yeah, I think she passed away last year. What do you say to people like me? Like, I still struggle in the presence of somebody who's sick, somebody who's hurt, to pray like, God, I know you can fix this. I know you can heal this. Will you please do it? Like, I'm still afraid to pray that because I don't want to set God up for failure. Like, what do you say to people like me who, are, who lack the, 
the guts, I guess, <laughs> to say what you just said, mm-hmm. Dan, of, you know, it's God is in, in control and, and what do you say to, I guess one to people thing, like me? One thing I'm thinking is that uh, is to pray in the Spirit, really inviting the Holy Spirit into that prayer and letting Him guide what you're saying. Is it like, Lord, even before you start, if it's in your own head or if it's out loud, invite his presence to help guide the prayer to go the way that he wants it to go? I think I would say when we're praying for healing, the end goal, the ultimate end goal should not be the healing. Mm. It should be God's glory. Mm. Because when you're praying that God will be glorified through the healing, which he is, incredibly so, you're not going to set yourself up for failure. Mm. God will always be glorified because that's, like Bill said, that's the only way he knows how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Whether that's through healing or through the faithfulness. I mean, we see this in Paul's life. You know, he's like, I I brought this issue of this thorn in my side to God three times. He didn't take it away. Mm. He said, my my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, so I'll boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So God is glorified in that situation. He wasn't glorified by healing Paul. He was glorified by Paul's faithfulness, even though he wasn't healed. Um, Mm. So that will always happen. God will always be glorified. Uh, So when you pray with that, it's kind of like the ultimate goal. Like you're not setting God up for failure in any way. That kind of takes the pressure off you of like, I got to perform here of like, because like Scott said, God's going to be glorified whatever happens. Mm. It doesn't matter. Well, it matters what happens, but it doesn't matter because God's going to get the glory for it. Mm. So, oh, go on. I was going to say, it makes me think of um, this story that I I wanted to share in this context. As we're dealing with how can God be glorified when, you know, when things are tough, like how do I glorify God when things are tough? Um, You know, there's a verse in, I think it's 1 Thessalonians. Let me just, yeah, 1 Thessalonians five, I believe. Yep. Uh, which I'm sure we've all heard. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And if you've ever read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, there's mm-hmm. a story in there that's remarkable uh, that completely changed my perspective on that verse, uh, where Corey and her sister, whose name I do not remember, unfortunately, Betsy, Betsy, Betsy thanks, yeah. Bill, um, are in a concentration camp of, or some kind of you know prison camp, and uh, they're dorm room or their barracks or whatever it's called riddled with fleas and it's horrible it's horrible it's horrible and betsy's just thanking god for the fleas and <laughs> and Corey's like what, what is wrong with you are you doing <laughs> and betsy's like give thanks in all circumstances mm-hmm. i'm giving thanks for these fleas because um, that's what the bible says to do and then after this happens then a guard is coming in to do a search for contraband, and I think they have a Bible, and it's hidden, and mm. the guard is going to find it, but she doesn't do a thorough search. Why? Because of the fleas. Um, and so it's like, even when we don't know what the end goal is, even when we're just left in our suffering with the fleas or with the sickness, whatever the case might be, when we just are faithful to God and we give thanks in all circumstances and we rejoice and we mm. pray and we glorify Him, like it all comes out in the end and we see it, whether it's now or later, mm. uh, this life or the next. Like We'll see how God was glorified and how he was moving. Billy, I had a question for you about you know family. people have family members that are in hospice that are just really, really sick. How do you go about praying when you go to those situations of praying for someone who is just maybe obviously not going to make it or the, is just really in a bad way? Does that, does that change how you pray when you go to those situations in a hospital room where 
Maybe this person has days to live or hours. What is kind of, what's your process there? In the best case scenario, they're a Christian. So we talk about eternity and having eternal life. Mm. They're thankful for that and they're in the conversation. And it's very common for them to make a clear, I'm ready to go. I've been able to see everybody I wanted to see before I died and I'm in a lot of pain. I'd, I'd like to go. And so there are times we pray that God will take them and take them soon and mm. that they could be with him in heaven real soon. It was that way with Hope Quagar, who recently passed away in our church. If they're not Christians, it's a lot tougher because you want to talk to them about, I want to make sure you go to heaven. Let's talk about salvation. And sometimes it's a combination. It's a combination of they're really not interested and they're drugged up so much, they're in and out of consciousness. So this idea that people turn to Christ in a big way on their deathbed, that's not true at all. They, mm. they really don't. If they were turning to Christ on their deathbeds, the hospitals would be filled with pastors hanging around hospice, and the mm. chaplain mm. of the hospital would be that's done. True. But you don't see that, and, and that's mm. the reason why you don't see that. Mm. Have you ever seen anyone turn to salvation? You know, on their deathbed? The person I can think of is Archie Pavoni. This is uh, Lou Pavoni's father. Hmm. He <clears throat> was truly uh, an antagonist about Jesus Christ and Christianity. And Lou couldn't get anywhere with him for years and years. I mean, probably for like 40 years, Lou got nowhere with him. And then Archie was dying and... Lou visited him again, and he knew, oh, boy, here we go again. This is going to probably be met with a lot of cursing. And, and that time, Archie said, I'm, I'm ready. And, and the rest of his life, which wasn't long, maybe just a couple of weeks at the most, he would refer to God as the Lord or my Lord. He, there was mm. really a change in him. Mm. And what Lou points to is that thief on the cross. His father was the same person he waited mm. to the very end but he finally did give himself to christ and honestly that gives all of us hope that okay good <laughs> you know god still does strive with people even even when they're on their deathbed mm. i think some people might be reticent to pray for it because they feel like i don't have enough faith mm. or they maybe they've tried once before to pray for someone and the person didn't get healed I'm like well maybe beat themselves up and say well i didn't have enough faith but you know, the faith certainly comes into play with it, but just like that, I think we need to take the approach of the the man whose boy was, I think, throwing himself down, and the, the, uh, the disciples at that point, Jesus comes down from the transfiguration, like, what's going on here? Like, well, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. Why? That's why you couldn't cast it out. And the man says, well, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Hmm. I think we can all take that posture hmm. of humility if we're going through that of, man, I, I want to pray for people for healing, but I feel like I lack faith. Hmm. And God gives generously to those who ask. And so don't be afraid to say, well, I feel like I lack faith. Ask God because he'll give it to you. He's not a miser. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just doing a study in the mornings, the live streams on the book of James. And this is those, one of those attributes that stood out to me is that God's not miserly like, I'm going to give out just a little bit of faith here to Bill, <laughs> to Dan, Max, Scott, because they need it. He's willing to give generously. Mm -hmm. And so if we come to him with that saying, I need more faith to just believe that you can do this, I really believe he'll show up in a big way mm -hmm. and help give us that faith. If God is in 
command is in control, what is the effect of us praying? Well, I've been thinking about that around the table today. And the delayed healings we see at our church that take two, three, four months, there's something really good about them being delayed. It's that the person is experiencing the love of the people in the church. So I think of something that happened in our lives recently. It was Mother's Day, and Hans and Cheryl Hoffman rang the doorbell at Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, wished Nancy a happy Mother's Day, handed her a bouquet of flowers and a vase. We thought, man, this is just great. The next day was even better. Hmm. Get a text from Hans and Cheryl saying, we're praying and fasting for you today because Nancy's going to have a minor operation on June the 1st. So you think, okay, people are praying for Nancy, and she's probably going to have to have this operation as opposed to the doctor looks at her on that Monday, June 1st, and says, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, it's already done. What are we, we going to do? Mm -hmm. Well, she'll probably end up having that operation. But in the meantime, there's all these people praying for her and showing love. And I think that's what Ruth Waterman's experienced as she's battled mm -hmm. with cancer this past year and Dale Waterman's experienced it. Marina's experiencing it right now. It is wonderful to be loved and to mm -hmm. have people tell you they love you and to write you notes and send you cards and show up with spontaneous gifts. As much as I love the way it happened in the New Testament, it was just kabam, you know, this person was healed in a moment. There's something beautiful about the the lengthy healing, too. I agree, and it keeps the focus on God, too. I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, but I always feel kind of odd about those, the kind of the healing ministries, mm. kind of in quotations. I know there was one in Florida a few years back, not sure that that's still around. I, I Not that I'm skeptical, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like as you hear about those kind of things, it those instantaneous of like, yeah, yeah, this is happening, that's happening. And again, is that really happening? I don't know. I'm not there mm. to actually witness it or not. But I feel like it can easily become about, oh, this person is a great healer. Mm -hmm. Oh, there, yeah. But God's the one doing the healing. Mm. If someone gets healed because we prayed, it's not us that, it's not because we're so great. It's because God did it and right. chose to use us as the, yeah. the vessel. So I like the delay thing because it's like, who else could have done it? It wasn't me <laughs> in the moment, praying because it took a while. <laughs> Kind of keeps yeah. us humble, too. Yes. Well, and you don't know. It says the prayer of faith. And the church I grew up in, we were taught, you see the elders in the front anointing and praying for people. Now, all of you sitting in the pews, you pray, too. Yeah. Now, look at who's up there getting anointed and pray for them. And I think, you know, when we get to heaven, we're probably going to find out. It was the prayer of that little six-year-old mm. kid mm. who is just fearlessly praying. doesn't bother them that this person is withered up from cancer it's like ah, i'm praying to god <laughs> the adults all forget that we look at it and say well it would have happened by now hmm. the kid doesn't think that way i think we pray because i mean prayer we all know this i think it's not just bring our laundry list of things that we want or need to god and be like here you go god like we pray it, it's, a, it's part of our relationship with him it's a conversation with him we're instructed to come to god like little children and like when you think about a child like asking their dad for something, their dad might not give it to them, or he might give it to them, or he might have already been planning to give it to them. That child's not going to a rich stranger and be like, hey, can I have this thing? Because it's not about the thing. It's not about mm -hmm. the request. It's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think it's a whole other podcast to talk about prayer. And does does God need us to pray? <laughs> yeah, or, to pray. Know, what is yeah. the deal with that? <clears throat> is Jesus really a zombie? Listeners, <laughs> if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, and trivia quizzes to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Uh, it has been a very special week in the life of the church. Pastor David and Scott both had birthdays this week. So what better Woo! way? What better yes. way to end the show than by singing happy birthday to Scott and David? One, two, oh, three. Happy birthday Can Scott sing along to you. you. No. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Scott, Scott and David. Also, Monica Holt and Chris Happy Bagley. birthday to you. How old are you, Scott? I'm 26. Bill, how old is David? 68. You're catching up. <laughs> well, that's all the time One we have this week. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Scott, take us home. This has been the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from the common grounds this week <laughs> of Bloomingdale, Illinois. <laughs> Socially distanced. <laughs> the heart of the nation. The heart of the nation. <laughs>